Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. And thank you for joining us. If you are new, glad you found us. If you'd like to learn more, we are at restorationaz.org. And this week, we are diving into week five of our liturgy series. And the topic for this week is giving. And um, this can be a challenging topic, one that is filled with a lot of hurt. And uh, But this morning, we want to dive into the gift of giving and what it looks like to trust Jesus, not only with our finances, but with our lives. Without further ado, let's get into it. Well, hey, if it is your first time with us, we have a lot of fun together. And uh, my name is Landon, and I truly am just thankful to be uh, one of the team members here with Restoration Church and to get to journey alongside of you as the church is just a people who are following Jesus together. Uh, The reason that we gather together on a Sunday morning as a body and we meet outside of Sunday mornings is because we actually believe that Jesus is the only person who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment, that it's not your spouse, it's not your best friend, a parent, a child. There's no one on this planet that you can trust in every second, in every moment, in your worst and in your best that will always have your best interest in mind. But as Kate said, when we confess or when we're worshiping or whatever it is that's going on in your moment now, he's trustworthy there. And so we gather to draw near to him together. Uh, Today we're in our fifth of six weeks Outside and fifth of a, a six-week series that we're just calling liturgy, which again is really just a fancy word to say or describe the things that we do together on a Sunday morning, diving into God's word, worshiping, singing songs, time of confession, communion, and, and giving. And I was, I was thinking about it this morning, and I was thinking about my, my son, and he has a very kid-oriented palate in terms of what he eats. No matter what it is, he wants to drown it in ketchup. It could be watermelon, and he wants to put ketchup on it, or strawberries or vegetables or a, a delicious, expensive steak. He wants ketchup on everything. And one of the, uh, the pictures that we've kind of talked about throughout this series is this idea that what God is doing in liturgy, in, in providing us to dive into his word, to sing together, to give, to confess, to partake in communion, as he's saying, I have something significant for you. Gifts to be given that you can partake in week after week. These aren't things that I designed or any man designed, but as we look throughout the scriptures, God said, do these things because they will help you draw near to me, the only trustworthy one, together as a body. But, but sometimes, like if my son were to go to a really fancy, expensive, high-rated restaurant, he would have no interest in the things on the menu. He would think they weren't good, in fact. He would prefer something just cheap and not healthy that he could put a lot of ketchup on. And sometimes we're like that in how we approach God. We think we know what's best. We're not accustomed to what is good. We don't realize what we're being offered. And I actually think, maybe more than any of the the topics of our liturgy series, that applies today because we're going to be talking about giving. And some of you right now are instantly like, oh boy, this was probably the Sunday I should have skipped. I wish they would have like posted the schedule so we would have known. And I think there's, there's maybe two primary types of feelings that happen as you go, oh, wow, we're talking about giving today. That sounds excellent. The first might be some sense of maybe anger or distrust. 
Maybe it's a, a fear or an apprehension with uh, just this topic of giving in the church and what's happened in history with giving in the church, and, and rightfully so. Perhaps the, the other camp might be just a feeling of boredom, like, oh, this doesn't really matter. I don't think it's bad necessarily, but does it do me any good? Does it actually matter in my life? Why are we talking about this? I think both of those feelings, if maybe you fall into one of those two categories, are 100% understandable and justified. Yet at the same time, I'm incredibly confident that if you're willing to engage in this and to, to view what God offers us, and I mean this when I say it, in the opportunity for us to give back, it will be worthwhile. There is blessing in it. We get to draw near to the only one who is trustworthy. And this is a specific avenue he gives us to do so. And so I encourage you to, to check in with me on this journey and just see if it's worthwhile at the end. I believe it will be. Giving handled well, and it's not always the case, that does not always happen, but giving handled well is a, a true gift from the Father that will draw us near to his presence, the only one who's trustworthy, and help form us to be human the way we were made to be. It's that significant. It actually works. It will do that. But I think the, the only place we can really start this conversation is just to simply be honest about what I'm going to call giving gone bad. Believe it or not, giving has gone bad often. Maybe that's your experience. Maybe that's your comprehension or understanding or feeling as we talk about this. But there's many instances. And I hate that giving has gone bad. My guess is you probably hate that giving has gone bad. Or maybe you hate this moment right now. That's okay. What you might be surprised about is that God himself hates giving gone bad. God himself hates the idea of finances or sacrifices or any type of offering given when it's not done in the right way. And so I want to share just a few passages where we see this take place, where God himself describes this for us. So I'm going to read uh, from three Old Testament prophets speaking on behalf of God and describing how much he hates giving God bad. First, I want to read out of Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 11 through 17. We'll put those up on the screens as well. And as I read them, listen, not to, not to an angry God up in the sky that, that wants to see if people know the right information so they can go to heaven, but I want you to hear his tone and the emotion and the relationality behind what he's saying. Go ahead and listen as I read this or read along on the screens. God says to his people, to his family who are like us, a people gathered together following him. He says this, what are all your sacrifices to me? Ask the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls, lambs, or male goats. He doesn't care about these sacrifices. When you come to appear before me, who requires this from you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing useless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of a solemn and the calling of solemn assemblies. I cannot stand iniquity with a festival. I hate your new moons and prescribed festivals. Keynote there really quick. These are all things that God told the nation of Israel, God's people to do. These new moons, these celebrations, these festivals, these sacrifices. He told them to do. He told them that they would be gifts to themselves if they partook in this. Yet in this moment, he's telling them, I hate everything that you're doing. And we'll get into why in just a moment. Here he says, they have become a burden 
to me. I'm tired of putting up with them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will refuse to look at you, even if you offer countless prayers. I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Seek justice, correct the oppressor, defend the rights of the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Right there we see God hates, detests, abhors certain offerings done in the wrong way. God hates giving gone bad. We'll we'll see the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 6. Again, I want you to listen to the emotion, the fact that our God is not a distant, just spiritual being somewhere up in the sky, but our God is a person that wants relationship, that loves, that feels, that wants to be with us. Jeremiah 6, verses 16 through 21, we read this. This is what Yahweh says. Stand by the roadways and look. Ask about the ancient paths. Which is the way to what is good? Then take it and find rests for yourselves. But they protested, we won't. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen for the sound of the ram's horn. But they protested, we won't listen. Therefore, listen, you nations and you witnesses. Learn what the charge is against them. Listen, earth, I am about to bring disaster on these people, the fruit of their own plotting, for they have paid no attention to my word. They have rejected my instruction. What used to me is frankincense from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land. Once again, here's the important part. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am going to place stumbling blocks before these people, fathers and sons, Together we'll stumble over them. Friends and neighbors will also perish. Amos chapter 5 says the same thing. I'm not going to read it, but there's plenty of places throughout the scriptures where what you will read is that God hates giving gone bad. And, And that brings up then the question, why? What makes giving go bad. And I want to talk about four things that maybe uh, you've engaged in, maybe you're giving, maybe you're not. But these are four ways that giving goes bad. And these are things that God has no interest in. So actually, I hope you find this maybe to be freeing. Number one, what makes giving go bad? Giving as bribery is giving gone bad. Giving as bribery is giving gone bad. Here's how this works. It's it's one of those moments where you go, hey, God, let's make a deal because I've got something in mind that I would like. And apparently you have some type of power and control. So I'm going to give a little something over here. And then the the deal is you'll kind of help me out over there. And what we end up doing is not viewing God as a person to be in relationship with, but kind of as this magic spiritual genie that can grant some wishes if We give a sacrifice, offering some money, whatever it might be. Giving as bribery is giving gone bad. If we're trying to bribe God or if we're trying to to maybe bribe somebody in control or power or something of that sort in the scriptures, there were certain types of offerings that God specifically commanded. The poor and the rich had to give the same amount. The rich were not allowed to give more so that there could be no bribery because it wasn't about that. That's number one. Number two, giving as a form of eternal insurance is giving gone bad. 
You, you can't buy a ticket to heaven or a, a escape, get out of hell free pass by giving some money to the church or to another organization or to a friend or by being generous. It doesn't work that way. God, I, I don't want to go to hell, so here's a little something. Just keep that in mind. It doesn't work that way. God, God is not interested in the slightest. We can't buy his love. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't need anything from us. He has everything he needs and wants. He just wants you. What we're going to get to in a minute is that giving, first and foremost and always, is a matter of the heart, not a transaction. Three out of four, giving out of guilt is giving gone bad. Giving out of guilt is giving gone bad. This is similar to the, the last one, but a little bit different because it sounds something like this. Hey God, I know I just did that. And I'm pretty sure you know that I just did that. So here's a little something to make up for that thing that I just did. Again, we can't buy God's forgiveness. And the good news is this, you don't have to. When we confess, as, as Kate just described, we're never telling God something he doesn't know. We're just bringing before him what he already knows and saying, God, I recognize you love me. Will you help? And his answer is always yes. So giving out of guilt, or excuse, yeah, giving out of guilt is always giving gone bad because again, it's not done with the right motivation. It's to get something for, for self, forgiveness. Anytime you're giving to get something for you, it is always giving gone bad, whether that's to get out of hell that's your idea, or maybe what you've heard doesn't really work that way. If it's to make up for something you've done wrong, or if it's to get something that you want, when the giving is centered, the reason behind it, the why behind your giving is to get something for you that's always giving gone bad. It's not worth it. Just don't do it. God hates it. The last category is this. Giving as a thoughtless transaction is giving gone bad. If you do give, maybe ask yourself this question, is my giving more transactional or is it more relational? Is it transactional or relational? It's maybe like a, a father that, that no longer has any interest in his children, has no relationship with them and hasn't for a long time, yet he's required by law to pay child support, so he does doesn't do that out of love. He doesn't do that to, to make a connection. He just does it because he has to. It's a transaction. It has nothing to do with relationship. And sometimes we do that with God. We think, oh, I'm guilty, or I don't want to go to hell, or I want something good, so there's this transaction, or I just have to. God has no interest in that. There's actually a lot of reasons to not give. Those are four of them, and I hope what you're going to see is there's a theme if they're not tied to relationship with God, if giving isn't about trusting him, then giving's just simply a bad idea. And so here then we have to transition and, and ask a different question. That's what makes giving go bad? What actually makes giving good? And in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about that. Uh, Corinthians refers to the city of Corinth in Greece today. Uh, and again, just a group of people that a guy named Paul is writing a letter to, a church to people in a city named Corinth. 
and he's uh, writing to them, not about uh, tithes or uh, first fruits, we'll talk about what that means in a minute, but about a specific offering for those that were poor in need. And, and here's what we read in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Paul writes, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity. That ties into what we just talked about. Then this is key. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel at every good work. As it is written, he scattered, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Paul's inviting them and encouraging them to give to a specific cause. Now, quick side note, and we'll actually come back to this again. This does not mean you get a boat or a fancy car or something if you give. That won't happen, just for clarity. But the key in this is the description of the value. He says, a cheerful giver. What in the world does a cheerful giver have to do with anything? It's all about relationship. It's all about devotion. It's never about transaction. If our giving is about transaction, our giving is meaningless. If our giving is about trusting the one who's trustworthy always, no matter the moment, then it's relational, and that's where it has value. Maybe a way to think about it is this. Giving is good when giving communicates. Jesus, you are my priority, my love, and my devotion. Giving is good when giving communicates, Jesus, you are my priority, my love, and my devotion. It's no different than giving something to someone in your life. If you buy your wife jewelry because you made a mistake, it probably doesn't have as much meaning. You're making up for something. If it has no value, it probably doesn't have as much meaning. Is it connected to the relationship? That's where the actual value lies. Again, how many, how many times have you seen in a movie or heard a story, or maybe this is a situation you know, where there's a, a distant father who's not engaged in the relationship with his kids, and the way that he tries to bridge that gap is through giving, financially, gifts, whatever it is. And his kids have no interest in money or in gifts. They just want him. It's a pretty common theme in life, in humanity. And it's the same thing when we give to God. Again, it's never about the transaction. It's always about the relationship. A sacrifice, when we talk about giving, should be a sacrifice. It should actually uh, be something that is felt. We, we read about this in, in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I, I want to read that to you. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. This is what it says. Sitting across from the temple treasury on the day of worship, Jesus watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins that were worth 
very little. Jesus sees an opportunity for a teaching moment. He summons his disciples and he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. She would have felt that sacrifice while the rich that put in large sums wouldn't have felt their quote-unquote sacrifice. If, if you're familiar, you may or may not be with uh, these terms. There's these terms of both tithing and first fruits in the scriptures, and, and they're similar. Basically, what they say is that a sacrifice should be a sacrifice. Uh, a tithe literally means a tenth, 10%. Some of you give 10%. Some of you give more, and you feel that. If you think, whether you give or not, right now, just do a little math. What is 10%? My guess is if you think about giving that over a sustained period of time, that's a little bit scary. That adds up. There's a whole lot you could do. Maybe you feel like you need to do with that money. But that's what God called the Israelites to originally. Why? Because they'd feel it. They'd feel it. Excuse me. And then he promised to provide. The the idea of first fruits was similar. We we talk about currency, dollars, whatever it might be. They didn't then. We read earlier about uh, bulls and goats, uh, incense, all kinds of other materials that were given. It, It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with the actual thing that's being sacrificed. What it has to do with is whether or not it is of value. We talk about money today because that's how we operate. It's currency. It's what is valuable. They talked about bulls and goats and grain. And they gave of the first of those fruits or their crops or their produce. It's not like, hey, God, I planted and I worked really hard. And so I'm going to see how this harvest turns out and what I have. And then I'll go ahead and give you some of the leftovers. God says, no, that's not trusting me. And again, this isn't about transaction. This is all about trust and relationship. So God says, give to me first before you even know what will come after that. Give to me what is the best. Because only when you do that, only when you step out in faith, will you see how trustworthy I am. If you're just trusting yourself by holding on and giving me what's left, you'll never get to experience and see and know and feel that I will always be there for you. But there will never be a moment I fail you. But if you're just trusting yourself, you're never testing me. You'll never see. You'll never know. A sacrifice should be a sacrifice. It only means something if it's felt. I'll close with this. Throughout the series, we've, we've talked a lot about worship. And that when it comes to worship, you don't get to choose whether or not you will worship something or someone. You are. We do. We all do. The the choice you have is who or what you will worship. And when it comes to giving, the, the same exact thing is true. You are giving. You don't get to choose whether or not you give. You're just choosing who or what you give to. If you're not giving to Jesus, if you're not giving to Yahweh God, well, then you're probably giving your time or your energy or your effort, your mental space, your intelligence, your, your gifting and skill set, your finances to something else, another form of a God that you believe will provide for you. And what we've talked about is what we often pursue the most. 
are those things that we think are going to give us comfort and control and security. We value comfort and control and security. And we trust ourselves a lot more than God to provide those things. Again, you don't have a choice of whether or not you will give. You'll give. You just get to choose who or what you will give to. As a uh, a staff and elders, we talked this week, and, and someone in this meeting made this statement. I have never met somebody who has regretted giving. I have never met somebody who has regretted giving. And then we posed the question, does anybody disagree? And we, we debated that for a minute and we talked about sometimes that uh, maybe that was the case where giving had gone bad. But, but then we really like separated it and broke it down and said, hey, when it is giving with the right heart, even if something bad happened with it, have you ever met somebody that has regretted trusting God by giving their finances? And not one person in that room said Yes. Not one person in that room knew anybody that had regretted giving when it is done in health. That's interesting. I want to close by by reading Malachi chapter 3, verses uh, 7 through 12. We, We read this, another prophet, again, speaking to God's people, just like us, following him. Malachi chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, we read this. Since the days of your fathers, you have turned from my statutes, meaning his way of life. You have not kept them. Return to me, God says, and I will return to you. But you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse that you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without, a, without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land. And your vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I want to end today with a clear challenge to give. I believe that you will be blessed in that. Now hold on, because some of you are going, hey, this wasn't supposed to be manipulative, and now it sounds manipulative. So hear this, because this is going to be a very important key part to what I have to say today. If you are not currently giving to Restoration Church, hear these very important words. Do not start today. Do not give to Restoration Church today. I don't want this to have anything whatsoever to do with giving to our church, because it has nothing to do with that. I'm not worried in the slightest about how God will provide for this church. He has us here. He's going to lead us, and that is good. So don't worry about that. This has nothing to do with that. But I do encourage you to give. Whether in Malachi, sometimes we talk about, are the scriptures a good question we need to ask? Are they being prescriptive? Meaning, are they prescribing a prescription, something we should do? Or are they descriptive? Are they just describing a situation and teaching us about who God is and what he values and how he acts? I don't have the answer in Malachi chapter 3. It could be just descriptive. And God said this to these people, test me in that way and see. I'll provide. could be prescriptive to us. I do know I agree with what the elders and staff said. I've yet to meet a person that regrets giving. I do know that throughout the scriptures, cover to cover, God says, yeah, I'm going to bless you. 
you will, be draw, you will draw near to me, and that's only good. So again, I encourage you to press out and to give. The amount doesn't matter. It's not about a transaction, but a sacrifice should be a sacrifice. Our giving matters when our giving communicates, Jesus, you are my priority, my love, and my devotion. Our giving is good when it communicates, Jesus, I trust you with what is valuable to me. Jesus, I trust you with what is valuable to me. And this gift is out of love to show you that trust and that devotion. Once again, just so we're crystal clear, if you're not giving to our church currently, do not start today. What I'd encourage you to do, though, is you can look uh, at our website. I think we'll, we'll put that up on the screen now. If you go under our, our partners page of our website, there, there's a list of multiple organizations that we are partnered with. We will not receive a dime if you give to these organizations, um, but we believe in what these organizations are, are doing. Some are helping humanitarian efforts throughout the globe, bringing dignified employment to those that couldn't have it otherwise, all in the name of Jesus. Some are helping in the foster and adoption world here in our states. And, and in one of the, the passages we read today, it says, take care of widows and orphans. We're called to do that. That's just one way to do it. It's not a question of if you should, it's just we should. Uh, some of these organizations help worship leaders uh, take care of their spouses and kids and learn how to lead. It's blessing churches all around the country through our partnership with, with Likewise Worship Collective. And Chi Alpha helps uh, local uh, college students here, primarily through Embry-Riddle, but elsewhere uh, additionally. So I'd encourage you, think about those organizations. Start there and see what God does. Because I believe he'll show up. I believe you will know him more. And that's always worth it. I'll let the, the spirit do the rest and, and guide you as he will. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, you alone are good always. Anything that we have in this life, we have because you've provided. Whether you provided the skill sets, whether you provided the breath that we can have enter our lungs and then exhale to allow us to work and make money, whether you provided us with opportunities or networking or whatever it might be, the, the reality is that all good comes from you. I pray that you'd help us to understand that. God, as, as I'm sure Satan wants to, to work to deceive, I pray in this moment that your spirit overwhelm every one of us to trust you, to, to give you what matters to us, not to earn anything from you, but just to say we trust. And then may you show up. May you work in the lives of every person here to know you more. May you lead us because we believe you are trustworthy. We love you and we seek you. In Jesus' name. As we do every week, the way that we respond is if you are a follower of Jesus, and that's an important if, then we invite you to the table to take communion. As we take communion, we remember that Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice. He was willing to give his body, his blood for you. But that he rose, that the tomb is empty, and that he's with us. And so as we take communion on a weekly basis, we know that, that Jesus is not distant, but he is with us. He's the hope for our marriages, for our parenting, for our businesses, for our community, for every part of life. And so as the body, once a week, we come together and we take of the bread and the cup to know that you're not alone, 
but that you are united, that the person of Jesus is actually with you and inside you and along, uh, alongside of wherever you go in life. And so we invite you now to come and take communion, to be united with Christ as you walk in the everyday stuff of life. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, my name is Nate Huss, and I'm one of the team members here at Restoration Church. And uh, if you would like to learn more about Restoration or listen to past teachings, please go to restorationaz.org. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about us or to ask questions, click that contact tab. We'd love to connect with you, learn more about you, see how we could be praying for you and supporting you. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.